Well, good morning. All right. It's good to see you all today. It's definitely it's humid out, right? I think there's thunderstorms supposed to come later. We'll get you out of here before then. Um, if you haven't noticed, uh, we have some guests there in the back. Uh, Dr. Dogs, we're going to be having lunch here. We hope you'll stick around. Uh, again, the dads, you have your tickets there. Uh, you can get lunch on us, and we just invite everybody to, to participate and stop by and get some food and hang out for a little bit. Um, it is, like I said, Father's Day, and it's exciting to be here. I'm a dad. Many of you out there are dads. Many people watching online are dads, and so that's, that's a good thing, and we definitely need fathers in this world. Can anybody say amen to that? We need uh, men that are engaged in, in their kids, but also in other people's kids, too. I mean, if you remember, I remember growing up, you know, the neighborhood, everybody kept an eye on everybody. You know, you didn't act a fool at somebody else's house because you'd get in the same amount of trouble as if you did it at home. But, you know, I, I do want to uh, acknowledge just a few things, and we, at Mother's Day it's the same, but, you know, Father's Day for most people is something that can be celebrated, either, you know, for if you're a father and, and that's a great, you know, a situation. But for some, either... They didn't have a father growing up. Maybe they were absent. Uh, maybe a, a father was a source of pain for some. And so we, as we celebrate this day, we also want to acknowledge the fact that there are people uh, who may be dealing with those kinds of situations. And, you know, the good news that we have today for all of us is that we do have a heavenly father who is perfect and who loves us perfectly, who cares for us in such a way so much that he sent his son Jesus for you and for me. And that there is healing from those pains. You know, the pains that life brings, we can't just always forget them because they're deep. But we can heal from them. And, you know, often if many people here, there's a lot of people that probably have a scar somewhere from an injury, from a surgery. And, you know, you can heal from that injury, can't you, or that surgery, but that scar sticks around, doesn't it? And it, it reminds you. And all of us have scars in our lives and if we allow God to heal those, especially those father wounds, you know, we can, we can live a life free of that pain, and we can share, though, that scar with other people, meaning we can tell the story of how God has brought us through those times, how God has healed us, and how God has sustained us as our Heavenly Father. And so I hope for those of you who may be in those situations today that that brings uh, just some comfort to you, and that there is hope and there is healing from that. So... Today's sermon, I just want to, again, I'm going to preach, obviously, in the direction of, of dads and being a father, and the title of today's message is, What Makes a Great Father? How many people, how many fathers here are great? Yeah, raise them, that's cool, raise them. Hey, it's good, it's okay. Hopefully you think you're at least good or mediocre at best, but, you know, we'll take that, I take that as a win most days, too, but, um, but you know, what makes a great father? And there's um, some questions I came across uh, we support a ministry, a gentleman by the name of Bob Teed, and he, is, uh, he has a website called Leading with Questions, and it's basically how to kind of, you know, in, engage in a conversation with somebody. So here's some questions, maybe for if you're uh, a student or um, here today, or maybe if you have a father or grandfather you're going to go to lunch with or spend some time with, or maybe call on the phone. Here's some questions that you might want to ask your dad this Father's Day, just to kind of... Here are some answers that might intrigue you. Number one is, what are your favorite memories of times you spent with your grandfather? So you find out some bit about your family. What are some favorite memories you have? Or what are some memories you have? And that may stir uh, some responses. Here's number two. What was your grade school like? Uh, what do you remember about your favorite teacher? 
These are just introduction kind of questions that you may be surprised just to hear what the answers might be. Uh, number three, who was your best friend and, and what did the two of you like to do? Number four, and this is one, you know, I'll, I'll read it. You know, it's, it's what kind of things did you do as a kid that got you into trouble at home or school? Now, again, I'll leave that to your discretion on how you choose to answer that if you're a dad. Uh, you know, you may want to play some of that close to the chest. Uh, but, you know, good to, it is good to share, hey, this is, these are the things I did. And we can all raise our hands and say how we learned from those crazy, crazy decisions we made, right? Yeah, most of us. So those, that's another good question. You might be surprised at what response you get. Number five, growing up, what did you want to be? Number six, outside of the family, what was the very first job you had that you got paid for? Number seven, how did you meet mom, or how did you uh, ask her to marry you? Number eight, what is the hardest thing that you ever had to do in your life? Number nine, what is the greatest compliment that you've ever received? And number 10, what is one thing you still want to do that you have never done? What is still on your bucket list? Any guys out there have bucket lists still? Some things left? You know, you guys did them all? Okay. Jeff, what, do you want to skydive without a parachute into a net? Maybe? <laughs> yeah, we, well, hopefully we all still have some things that we want to get done, and you may be surprised to hear from your dad some things that you have left. Here's a couple bonus questions. If your dad's answer on any of the questions leaves you wanting to know more, simply ask, Dad, can you please tell us more about that? And then this one, and this one's going to kind of springboard us forward. If your dad or grandpa is a follower of Jesus, ask, is there a story you can share about how you came to, to follow Christ? You know, one of the greatest things that we as fathers can share about is how we came to know the Lord. But more importantly, we demonstrate how we walk with him day by day. You know, and that's a, that's a heavy task, isn't it? It's a heavy, a heavy cross to bear, if you will, because, you know, we can kind of fake the funk with coworkers. We can fake the funk with our friends. But our family, and especially our children, they see us day in and day out. They see us in... The really great moments, but they also see us in the bad moments and the challenging ones, don't they? They see us when, you know, we swing for the nail and we miss and we hit our thumb. We, they, they're there to hear all the praise the Lords that come out of our mouth, right, when we hit that thumb really hard. But we're always being watched, aren't we? And how many here can attest, dads or moms, you know, no, it's something about children, how they pick up on those, those things you know, you try to teach them the good stuff, but it seems like the things that you'd rather them not learn, they seem to just latch on to, right? You're like, how did you pick up from all of this? You know, we do 99% good, and that one small thing they seem to just dial in on, right? It's really fun, too, as a pastor, and I get up here, and I get to stand and preach, and I have my sons here, like, listening to everything I say. And they'll, they'll back me up, or they'll say, Dad, I that was a little, I don't remember going down that way, you know? But that is, the, that is the case, isn't it, though? It's, it's how we live out our lives. Because in so many situations, in so many scenes, we can really wear a mask. We can put on whatever front we want, and we can kind of portray a certain life, if you will. But again, our family and our children especially see us exactly for who we are. And now, while there are many places today we could go, many people, figures in the Bible that we could look at today, I want to head towards a man named Noah. Anybody heard of Noah before? Yeah, a few people, the ark, that whole thing, flooding the earth. So Noah's a pretty prominent figure, and, and most of the time when we hear about Noah, that's what we think about, right? We think about the ark, building, you know, the ark with all the animals that went on and, and God sparing him and his family. But I do want to look at him today just a little bit as uh, an example of 
being a good or great father. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. If you have your phones, you can go there as well. Genesis chapter 6. It's the first book of the Bible, so you don't have to have any stress of like trying to find the page or finding the place quickly. And we'll be in chapter 6 uh, for the most part of the sermon today. And uh, chapter 6, verses 5, beginning at verse 5 through verse 11. And it reads as follows. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. You know, they talk about guilty by association, right? Like all the creatures and all the animals. You know, God's upset at what man's done, and he's just going to wipe everything out, right? We have definitely have a responsibility here. Let's go on. For I am sorry that I have made them. Verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. Now, as we read this, and some of these phrases we see here, some of these descriptions in here, I don't know about you, but I feel for, for me, and when I read that, it, it seems to uh, resonate with what I see in so many places today in the world. You know, that, that we see that, uh, you know, God is looking down, and we see wickedness, don't we? We see evil in the world, yeah? I mean, it, it happens all around us. It happens all the time. And there is this, this pushing away or, or moving away from the things of God towards wickedness and towards evil desires. But what's interesting to me is, is as corrupt, I mean, think about that for a minute. Now, I don't know about you. You know, I've gotten pretty upset with my kids at times. But I've never, that I can remember, come to a place where I wanted to literally wipe them off the face of the earth, you know? Anybody been there? Hopefully not. Don't raise your hand. That's just rhetorical. Um, you know, you get upset, but you would never want to, you know, just say, I'm done with it. Just, I'm done. And here God is, creator of the universe, creator of mankind, and he's just saying, I'm finished with, it, with man, with these people who are wicked and who are evil. And so in that setting, in that environment, you know, as we often look around and we say, you know, and it is, it is hard times you know, that we're living and it seems to be going in a direction that's only going to get more difficult. But we can be encouraged that even amidst that setting, even amidst those times and that environment, there's still a man there by the name of Noah who found favor in the eyes of the Lord, who it says was a righteous man. And I love that phrase that Noah walked with God. For me, that takes me back to really the Garden of Eden. My mind goes there, maybe yours does, where it says that Adam used to walk with God in the cool of the evening, right? And see, what does that imply when it says Noah walked with God? It means that Noah did, did, wasn't just on a Sundays to church, if you will, or Noah wasn't just speaking about God in a, a positive way, but that Noah was living his life. He was walking moment by moment, day by day with his creator, God. He was walking in relationship with God. And so here is, again, this man, Noah, who amongst all of mankind on the earth, 
was identified by God and found favor, was found righteous, and was walking even in the midst of a very evil, corrupt society. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. God, I thank you for this time to share as we look, Lord, and we learn and we glean, Lord, from your word. God, we thank you that your word is, again, active and living, and God, that it cuts to our heart, that, that we might be changed, that we, we might be more made more like you. God, I pray that, that we are convicted of our sin today. God, I pray that we um, also can celebrate in the fact that we have a wonderful God, a wonderful Father in heaven. And so, Lord, we thank you for today, and I thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read an a, a, a article or, or just a brief story here. Um, it's a gentleman by the name of Jay uh, Payleitner, and he is, uh, he's actually based out of Chicago. He's a speaker, and he's written some books on family, on being a father. And so he shares this story. I found it in Guidepost magazine. It's called The Extra Mile. It's a story about his dad. So this is what he writes. He says, near midnight, my wife and I were driving home from the University of Illinois, where our son Randy was a junior English major. Rita was asleep in the passenger seat. I headed north wondering what on earth had possessed us to take the afternoon off to make the trek to campus and back. A six-hour round trip slogging through the towns dotting Highway 47. All for nothing. For weeks, Randy had been telling me how much fun he, he was having playing intramural co-ed flag football. Maybe it was his talk of diving catches and trick plays, but I'd felt this sudden urge to cheer him on like we had in high school. Just several hours earlier, Rita and I met him at the field. It was a crisp fall evening, perfect football weather. I was pumped. Randy introduced us to his teammates. You really came all this way just to see us? They asked. The cheering section consisted of Rita, me, and an injured player on crutches, but we didn't mind. We watched the kids stretch and warm up, run through some drills, and then there was some sort of delay. Randy ran over. The other team had to forfeit, he said. They don't have enough players. I tried to hide my disappointment. No big deal, unless you'd just driven three hours to get here. We took Randy out for pie and coffee. Nice, but I'd had my heart set on seeing him in action. I'd wanted to cheer for my son. Now slowing the car to a crawl through the town of Yorkville, I couldn't help thinking that the whole idea had been foolish. I was behind on work. I really needed to clean out the garage. I thought of all the t-ball games and soccer matches, band concerts, and science fairs I'd gone to over the years for our five children. Once Reed and I even snuck into Randy's English class to see him perform in a skit. We had been the only parents there that day, too. I'd worked hard to be a supportive dad, but I was trying. Was I trying too hard? Ahead, I saw a bridge crossing the Fox River. A distant memory stirred from back when I was a Boy Scout. Every fall, our trip made a two-day, 40-mile canoe journey down the Fox. Anybody but down the Fox River? A few people? Okay. There was one year I, could, I would never forget. My dad dropped my brother Mark and me at the launch, made sure our life vests were snug, and said goodbye as our flotilla set off. I plunged my paddle into the water and pulled hard, then lifted and stroked again. Mark in front did the same. Before long, we had a good rhythm going. I wish dad could see us, I thought. About a mile down river, we came to a bridge. I looked up, and there he was. Dad, standing in the middle of the span. 
He didn't shout instructions or do anything embarrassing. He simply waved until we passed underneath. I looked back and he was gone. Huh? Was I just imagining him? But several miles later, at the next overpass, there he was again. And the one after that, and the next, and it turned into a game. The whole troop began looking for him. Every time we rounded a bend that day, someone would shout, there's Mr. Payleitner. All the boys waving now, but no one was happier to see him than I was. My dad had taken a chance and literally gone the extra mile and then some to show us his love. All these years later, it never left me. Now I drove across the bridge in the darkness. I imagined dad standing there waving, still encouraging me. It made me think of a nightly prayer I'd said when my kids were younger, asking God to help me be the kind of dad my kids need. At last, I understood the most important thing I could do for my children, just be there, even if it meant going the extra mile the way my dad did for me, cheering me on. You know, there are, if you go to the online and you start reading or looking for books about being a better father, a better dad, there's plenty of material that would probably last the rest of your life out there. But I want to encourage you today, if you're a dad, if you're a grandfather, if maybe you just have kids that maybe are neighbors or that you just come across that you've kind of taken under your wing, that you, the fact that you are present there, the fact that you are just present and being there is, is a lot of the game, if you will. That's, that's a lot of the win, is just to be present. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that for me, you know, when I was growing up, just for my dad to be present at things was a big deal. If my dad was at my soccer game or something, you know, to look over to see your dad cheering you on, there's just something about that, right? You know, we've been able to get uh, my oldest son, Isaac, into baseball this year, and it's been just so great watching and cheering him on, you know, from the sidelines. And it's, it's interesting, too, you know, where there was one time at a, a few weeks back, we had had to move because it was one of those super hot days and we went and found some shade and I went up to him later in the game and he's like, where did you guys go? You know, he thought we had left or something and we just moved to a different spot. But it really, you know, meant a lot for us to be there. And it's also interesting if you've ever been, if you're dad or mom and you're cheering from the side, it's always interesting, like amidst all the cheering, like I can tell if my son's up to bat and I say, you know, everybody else is yelling, I just say, get your bat up or something. And I see his bat move up. He can hear our voice. He can hear my voice. And there's something about hearing your father's voice, isn't there? Might be good or bad, <laughs> but <laughs> there's something about uh, your dad's voice that gets your attention. And even amidst all that chaos, there's something how that his voice can just carry through and, and bring you comfort or bring you instruction. And so is the same, really, you know, when we are, are living out our faith as, as fathers. You know, living out our faith does absolutely no good, though, as fathers. If we, if we don't do it in front of our children. You know, we can be there, we can, we can do these things, and those are good things. But the thing is, is, is it's, there's something about living out our faith. It's, it's, it goes further than our words, doesn't it? Words can be cheap, can't they? Words, we can say whatever we want. We can just speak it and, and you know, okay, that's fine. But it's how we live out our life day by day. It's how we live out our faith in front of our children that counts. And it's through living out our faith that our children really come to know the Lord. It's, it's one thing, you know, and I know I've talked to many, of, many people 
And some people did not know the Lord when their kids were young, and they came to the Lord later on in life. And that can be hard. And that's where, you know, we do trust God. We trust that God is, is good and that God is faithful. We pray for our children that they would come to know the Lord. And so we don't need to give up hope or have, you know, those, those lifelong regrets. Instead, even now, we can continue to be engaged and to be living for the Lord as an example. And so as we look at Noah here, Noah was a great father. And so that's a, that's a pretty big statement, isn't it? What, what makes a great father? And I think if we went around this crowd one by one, I think people would have different answers, different thoughts or different things, different markers of what makes a dad great. Now, I'm not talking about what makes a great man, but what makes a great father? How do you measure greatness when it comes to this? Well, the title alone should point us in the direction. You know, it's, it's, it's our family. It's especially our children, whether they're young or grown. How we live out our life and, and how our kids are doing in life. You know, do they know the Lord? Do they, do they, are they doing well in life? You know, are we there for them? Do they want to come back? Do they like to visit our home? <laughs> I mean, if your kids you know, get to a certain age and they just leave and don't want to come back, what's the reason for that? And now I realize, again, there, there are people that, that this is like, well, that's my kid. And again, I want you to come back to this fact that, you know, don't sit there with regrets, but instead, what are you going to do from this moment going forward? How will you continue to live your life and spend the rest of your time here on earth in a way that points your children towards God? Noah's greatest accomplishment was the faith of his family. And we can find encouragement in the fact that Noah was leading his family during a difficult time. Again, remember, it said that this was an age of wickedness and evil thinking and an age of corruption and violence. Yet here was this man, Noah, choosing to make a stand, not just for himself, but for his family. And I want to say something here, especially for us in the Western culture, because we can be so individually minded that we don't realize that the, the consequences of our choices and decisions affect many, many people around us, especially our family. In our society and in our culture, we just think like, just us, it's just me. It's not gonna hurt anybody, it's not gonna hurt anything. But I'm here to tell you that it can affect and it can set a trajectory, not just for your children, but for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. There are many people sitting here in this audience who are, are in a Christian home and you ask them to share their story and they, they recall their grandfather or their, their father and as they grew up and how their parents, their grandparents shared their story and shared their faith in such a way that it impacted them and it set a trajectory so that they can find success today and they can find they found the Lord and so don't ever think that your decisions have no consequences because they do. Just because it doesn't affect you, maybe, it can affect your children and grandchildren. So how did Noah find success as a father in such difficult circumstances as we've heard? Noah, we see his example to us as one of a godly father. And the way that Noah found success was the fact, as we mentioned earlier, that Noah walked with God. You see, he knew God and was close to God. He knew God and was close to God. There are many people in the church today that can probably even quote many scriptures that can talk the talk. But unfortunately, there are many in the church today that just don't know God personally. They know a religion. They know a way to come in and go out. But relationally, they don't walk with God in that close 
walking in that close type relationship and that they don't live a life that can only come from a relationship with God. In Hebrews 11, chapter 7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became the heir to the righteousness that comes from faith. You see, <laughs> again, if you've ever read the account of if you haven't, I encourage you to do it. You should go look at it. It's crazy. I mean, imagine in the middle of a dry land, you're constructing this huge ark. I know some people have. Has anybody been to the ark in Kentucky? The, it's not the real ark, but it's one, a replica. <laughs> a few people. If you've never gone to that, it's, you should go because it's, it's incredible the size, the magnitude of this, this vessel. And imagining Noah building this over decades and people mocking him and laughing at him, you know, but he knew God and he knew what God had told him to do and so he was gonna be faithful to it. Again, he was consistent in his walk with God. You know, we often say when, when we share a salvation message or we invite somebody to come to Christ, we tell them to pray a prayer that Jesus would become two things, both Lord and Savior, right? And we all oftentimes really can roll with that savior part, but it's the Lord part that we struggle with at times, isn't it? It's the Lord part that requires submission and obedience. And so Noah here we see was walking in that way, submitted and obedient to the will of God. He walked the walk and talked the talk, both at church, if you will, and at home, didn't he? There was no difference and he lived out his faith day by day in front of others, his neighbors and his family. And that is so key. Church, I mean, as you leave, when you leave today and when you go through your week, do people know you as being a Christian? When you go to your job or when you're with your friends, do they know that you know, you, you're a Christian? Do they know that you walk with God or you kind of like sort of in the, the back closet, if you will? You see, Noah set this example. Noah walked with God. And from that, Noah was able to share his faith with others. He shared his faith with others. There was a distinct difference between Noah, who was just, the Bible says, and his neighbors who were corrupt and evil. In 2 Peter 2, 5, it says that if he did not spare the ancient world, he being God, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness and for those younger folks, a herald assembly, somebody that would proclaim news or proclaim something, a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Again, Noah was sharing his faith with others. He shared it with others about their sin and pointed them to, towards God. Now, how many of you today, does anybody have Facebook or anything like that? Have you ever been on social media you know, I mean, how many know today, it's just, it's really awesome when you disagree with somebody and you put that on Facebook, right? Because all they do is they say, oh yeah, you're right. You're completely right. I was wrong. Have you guys had that experience? <laughs> never. It never happens, does it? Basically, as you're writing it, you know, you're, you're either maybe you're upset or you're like, I need to say something, but you're bracing yourself, aren't you? Because you know that there's going to be an onslaught of comments. There's going to be an onslaught of, of judgment, if you will, and people that don't even know you. They're gonna base everything they're saying off of whatever three, four, maybe for some of you, 40 lines of text that you wrote. 
and they're going to they're say their piece on how bad and horrible of a person you are, right? That's what happens now, and that's, that's the culture that we live in. But remember that when, as we look at Noah and look at the time that he was living, these people were mocking him. You're, you're not going to hide an ark, you know, that, that size boat <laughs> around behind a tree somewhere. So people were mocking him day after day, decade after decade. Think about that. For years, yet he would still keep going with what God had told him, but also he would tell him, turn, repent. He was begging them. He was pleading with them, but they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. So just because they wouldn't listen doesn't mean that he didn't still pursue them or just still didn't want them to turn, and it should be the same for us as well. You see, Noah refused to conform, and he was rejected by everyone. Well, almost everyone. You see, there were a handful of people who were receptive to what he had to say. And you know who those people were? His family, his children. They believed and what he was doing, they saw what he was doing. They saw the way that he walked with God. They saw that he walked by faith. They wa- he walked in obedience, and his life being lived out in front of them spurred them towards God. You know, the, what the, you know what the greatest accomplishment in Noah's life, the greatest, sorry, accomplishment in Noah's life was? We read in seven, uh, chapter 7, verse 1 of Genesis, it says this, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, And here, catch this, you and all your household. God welcomed not just Noah, but him and his entire family. And that was Noah's greatest accomplishment. After he'd built this huge vessel, after he'd gotten all of these animals and and come up with all these systems to be able to sustain life on that ark, his greatest accomplishment was the invitation to him and his family to come into the ark and to be saved. You see, his family could follow him because he was leading by example. Noah's greatest victory in life did not happen on his career path or on a sports field, but it happened in his home. And that is our reminder today that all of those accolades, all of those victories, all of those successes that the world has to offer are nothing. And I bet you if anybody sitting in this audience today has a child or an adult child that is as far from the Lord, they would trade literally anything to see that, that child come to Christ today. Because that has an eternal weight on it. That is of eternal value, and that is what matters most, not the things that this world has to offer. As we prepare to wrap up this, this afternoon, it's not an easy time to be a father these days, much less a great father. And that's said from a father. I'm a father. And I, I, as I look at my, my sons growing up, and I've got a fourth one, as many of you know, on the way, and I'm thinking, what, what is the world going to look like? What is the world going to be like when these, young, these boys, soon to be young men, step into the world? And frankly, I see it as a much more challenging place than it's ever been in the past, at least in my experience, my parents' experience, my grandparents. 
the trajectory of where things are headed is going to be a trying and very difficult time where they're going to face adversity, where it's going to be hard to find people who agree with the way they may see things. And my prayer today and my hope today for my children as well as for yours, as we've already shared, is that they would know God, that they would walk with God, that they would be in relationship with God. You know, growing up after I graduated high school, I went off to college and, you know, I, I, I wandered a bit, as many do. And my mom wasn't there. My dad had passed away when I was a senior. But you know what? I could, I could never outrun God. <laughs> and can I say this and don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying? I, I hated it because <laughs> I would do things that should have been fun, that all my friends thought were a great time, but there was this immense conviction afterward for me. And I knew that I, I did, even though I was wandering a bit, that I had a relationship with I couldn't even, again, couldn't even enjoy the things the world has to offer, if you will. And that was a good thing. And again, as an encouragement to those parents out there today that are praying for children that have wandered or that maybe um, just don't know the Lord or maybe they knew the Lord growing up and they've drifted a bit, keep praying. <laughs> because those children, they can't outrun God. None of us can. And God is present there with them. Let our prayer, today, prayer be today that God enable us as fathers to win our families to Christ. One of my greatest you know, challenges as a minister is, is how do I stand up here in front of people? How do I you know, spend time with people and pray with people and meet with people? And I don't care if thousands of people you know, come to Christ under maybe a service that I'm overseeing or preaching. None of it matters if my family does not know the Lord. It's about getting your home in order, about being and living your life in such a way that your children would know Christ. Let our walk today with God be visible and consistent. Let us keep our witness for Christ at all times. And let us walk out the remainder of our days here on earth with an expectation for our families to follow us and our faith in Jesus Christ. You know, the greatest challenge today, men, fathers, again, is, is to live a life consistent with what comes out of our mouth. We can say all the right things, but if we're not living it at home and we're not loving our, our kids and loving our spouses the way that God has told us, it's not gonna matter. And kids will, they will follow, they will emulate what they see more than what they hear. And that is our challenge today. The road will not be easy, <laughs> but we can trust that we serve a mighty and an amazing God who is faithful and just to sustain us and to lead us. If you're here today and, and, and you're a dad, I would just ask you just to stand for a moment if you're watching online as well. I just like to, I wanna pray for you just for a minute. You can just stand right where you're seated, just if you would stand up if you can. I just want to say a prayer over you, you all today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these men who are standing. I thank you, God, for those watching online. God, I thank you again that, that you have placed them, Lord, in the exact place in the family that, that you have designed and orchestrated. 
God, in the exact situation, Lord, where they need to be. God, in it, all these men standing and, 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 and watching right now, God, are, are probably like myself, where we, we have made mistakes in our past. Maybe we have spent time and, and not lived the way that we should before our children. First and foremost, God, we ask you for your forgiveness. God, for we know, Lord, that uh, you cover sins, you remove sin, and, and forgiveness is there, and mercy is there, and grace is there. Lord, we start in that place, from a place of repentance. From there, God, we, we ask, Lord God, that you would continue, Lord, to stir our hearts, to draw us close to you, that we would know you as Lord and Savior, that we would follow, Lord God, your will and your desire and your word. God, that we would not just memorize speeches or, or, or great words, but God, that our lives would truly be changed in a way and that we would live our lives in such a way that we would be a living testimony to our, our spouses and to our children. God, we pray, Lord, as we look around in society and we see a fatherless generation or generations, Lord God, where so many men have chosen to take the easy way and step away God, and shirk the responsibility that was given and placed on them by you. But God, that we would be stirred in boldness, Lord, to stand and to fight for our families. God, to pursue righteousness and to pursue what is right. And God, that our children would see that. They would see that living example, Lord God, and be compelled, Lord, to follow. God, it's easy to say, follow me. God, it's another thing that when we get down the road to turn around and to see people actually following, especially our family. But God, I pray for each of these men standing, each of these homes that are represented. God, whether their children are young or old, God, that there is still hope and there is still time. And God, that by your spirit, you would continue, Lord, to move and to, to just impact, Lord, their kids' lives in such a way to speak to them and draw them close to you. Lord, that these children would know you as Lord and Savior. God, we, we leave that with you today, for you alone can save. But God, I pray that we as fathers today would be an example, Lord, for all to see. We thank you, Lord, for today and for stirring our hearts, for challenging us, Lord God, and for giving us the strength and boldness, Lord, to step into what it is you called us to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Would you all stand?